Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into scripture, study together, and apply it to our lives. Today we pick up in John chapter 19, and today we read 31 through 37. And this is uh, covering the time uh, after the death of Jesus to when he is uh, to be taken off the cross. There's a lot of different areas where we could go in with today's passage, uh, and we'll kind of highlight a few of those areas. I do want to clarify some things about yesterday's podcast. I had a couple questions come in. Um, yesterday, we briefly, and and I mean briefly, and maybe roughly, talked about different atonement theories, uh, that being the ransom theory, the recapitulation theory, uh, and penal substitution or the uh, uh, yeah penal substitution theory, um, and so the the question came in is well there is validity in in, in you know the ransom theory there's validity in the recapitulation theory um, why are they wrong well that's say it like this they're not necessarily wrong uh, but they're not all right. If that makes sense, what we see there's we see different models, uh, ways of seeing, ways of interpreting um, the, the event of Christ's death on the cross, and of course there are some that are more right than others, perhaps. Uh, but instead of thinking of right and wrong, what we need to do is we train our theological brains is is to see um, uh, merit uh, in these different views these different it's almost like um, when you get a lie doctor and and they're putting different lenses before your eyes and asking okay what's this one look like and what's this one look like you know some of those are just bad and so we can identify those uh, but sometimes at least in my experience uh, you said well that one I think might be better than this one and so you go back and forth quite a bit and, and you look and you know I like this aspect but I don't like this aspect um, and so that's kind of what we look for when we are um, studying scripture. We, we look through lenses. What we find is often um, interpretation isn't nearly as black and white as we'd like to believe. Instead, there are shades of gray. And what we have to do as, as faithful students is, is, is continually look into um, scripture. You know, for it's it's the idea of um, so often, even on this podcast, our tendency is to read, you know, sometimes three verses, sometimes seven verses or ten verses, uh, and that be our um, reading for the day. Uh, but that certainly shouldn't be our only reading for the day. Um, because consider. what you would have different if for example like today we'll read seven verses but what would happen what would i see if i were to sit down and dedicate an hour and and read the entire book of john what might be different what i might what might stand out differently if you looked at the whole um uh, book in, in one sitting do you remember that commercial back when I was a kid and there was a commercial on TV and it was uh, um, not on TV I think we watched it in school maybe it was a little video and it talked about the power of 10 the power of 10 the magnification rate 
of of ten, and so it would start perhaps on on somebody's hand, and then you would zoom out by ten, and instead of just seeing the hand, and now you would see, you know, perhaps uh, the county they live in, and then zoom out another ten, and you'd see the region of the United States. Zoom out by ten, and you'd see the United States and the part of the hemisphere and you keep going out and you see a different picture and then it starts to zoom in again and so from the outer space then you come in you would see uh at each phase you would see a different picture a different element a different way until you get back to the hand but then it starts to magnify by a power of 10. and so then from the hand then you see the molecules uh or or the uh the pieces of your skin, your epidermis layer, and you see the flakes and the hair follicles that are coming out on on the skin, and then it goes in more and more and more. The point is, based on what you see, you see a different picture, based on the magnification level. And that's kind of what it is with interpreting scriptures. We have to look from different levels from time to time to be able to see uh, different uh, elements. In those things and so in the theories that we talked about yesterday um, there's validity in all of those however the most beneficial I find is the penal substitution uh, theory uh, Christ became the substitute uh, we see that more abundantly supported throughout scripture in the vernacular in the vernacular that's used um, but there's still merit in the ransom to Satan theory um, Hebrews 2 says Jesus was made like us in a way so, so that he could break free those who were being held captive by the fear of death and the one who holds the power of death, that is Satan. And so you have those images absolutely throughout scripture. I don't think it's necessarily a, a one or the other, but a list and a that. Um, that being said, let's dive into verse 31. <clears throat> uh, when the Jews because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Well, there are a couple different avenues that we won't go here today, but but we could. And that is dating the, the death of Jesus. Traditionally, we hold that uh, uh, Jesus is arrested on Thursday-ish, uh, crucified on Friday, and removed uh, by the end of day Friday, and put into the grave before sundown on Friday, which would have become Sabbath. Or, or should I say sundowns, on what we consider sundown Friday, would, be, would have been the beginning of Sabbath for the Jews. Um, now there is quite a bit of debate um, as to the, the the timing of Jesus' death and resurrection. Traditionally, we find that he died on Friday and rose on Sunday, but there is some uh, debate as to whether that's the case. Some see his his death happening on Thursday or possibly even Wednesday, uh, depending on how you see the days lining up. You know what is a day yeah so uh, we could talk about that um but we won't because i'm not sure if there's much value in that uh, if you are uh, interested in uh, uh 
seeing that there's a book that I highly recommend. Actually, it's a two volume commentary uh, called The Death of the Messiah. It's by Raymond Brown, uh, and it is a great commentary that takes the um, uh, the 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 passion narratives in all of the Gospels and puts them together. And he he does some great work um, in that commentary. That is The Death of the Messiah by Raymond Brown. Um, he deals with this quite a bit. Uh, so we could talk about that, but we, we won't. Our point here uh, is, is that uh, Jesus has died. And um, John puts this in here for probably two reasons. One, um, as a historical reference, you know, regardless of whether you have Jesus dying on your timeline on Friday or Wednesday or Thursday, uh, whenever that is, uh, it is pretty much commonly accepted that Jesus was crucified. There's no doubt, even in secular uh, uh, writings and histories, uh, there's no deba- debate that Jesus uh, of Nazareth was crucified uh, by the Roman uh, the, the, the Roman government. Uh, that's not contested anywhere. And it's not contested that Jesus' disciples believe that he rose from the grave uh it's not contested you can't you know we see that not only in christian writings but also in in secular writings the impact of a claimed resurrection so that's i guess reason number one um we'll we'll see reason number two in just a few verses um anyway the the jews want uh jesus body off the cross before passover because this is going to be a special sabbath um, now, um, there's a bit of irony there. In order to preserve the holiness of the land, according to Deuteronomy, a body that hangs in the tree on um, Sabbath defiles the land. And so they're concerned about defiling themselves in the land um, after having crucified an innocent man. Ir- irony. Uh, but anyway, um, Pilate uh, concedes. And so the soldiers came in verse 32 and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he had already he was already dead, they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. That's Paul's there. So, so to satisfy the Jews, Pilate sends the guards to go and make sure that Jesus is in fact uh, dead and and they would break the legs uh, in order to expedite the the, the death um, because you could hang on a cross for quite some time um, it could be a long drawn out thing because it was a special Sabbath coming uh, they wanted this to be expedited and so they would bring a, a, a large hammer of sorts and break the, the legs of criminals so they couldn't prop themselves up to, to, to breathe uh, and that would expedite their death it would it, uh, really you would die from from suffocation um, um, you, you, water would would fill your lungs and you you would or, or, or uh, press on your organs um, and and you would more than anything you would suffocate and that would be your mode of death um, now that doesn't happen with Jesus. When they come to Jesus, they see that he had already 
passed, remember in verse 30, he said, it's finished. And with that, he gave up his spirit. So when the surgeons came to him, they didn't, uh, they didn't break his legs. Instead, they uh, presented a spear and placed it through his side. Now, the spear uh, was thrust so to ensure that Jesus uh, was was dead, um, but the but the spear uh, penetrated quite away, and it brought a sudden flow of blood and water. Now, medical experts have suggested a couple different explanations for this phenomenon. Uh, one is that the spear penetrated Jesus' heart, and the flow was made up of fluid like water from the from the sack around uh, the heart and the, and the blood. They separate into um, clear serum and red fluid um, uh, from, from the heart itself. Another explanation is that a severe in- injury to the chest. Uh, can result in uh, fluid gathering between the rib cage and the and the lung, and this can uh, again separate into clear serum and red fluid, and both flow out when the chest cavity is pierced. Uh, we don't n- know exactly what happened here, but no matter how we understand the physical uh, uh, explanation for the flow of blood and water, uh, John saw this as a important. Um, an important sign. Um, in, in fact, he, he he testifies to that in verse 35. And he who has seen uh, has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. So verse 35 is an interesting verse. Uh, John talks about um, uh, the man who saw this and his testimony being true. Um here we encounter either now there's one or two different ways to see this uh, either um, uh, John is um, uh, claiming uh, to have witnessed this and he's kind of uh, uh, identifying himself as one who is true um, you know maybe this is his testimony maybe John because we know that John had been there with Mary maybe they're still there so maybe John is testifying to this, uh, or maybe he's vouching on behalf of someone else. Uh, maybe this is someone else that he is uh, 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 supporting, or saying, "Hey, look, I, I you know, vouching for I, I, I support." Um, I, I, we don't we don't know which one. I tend to believe that it's that it's John. That John saw this and he's testifying. He's saying that I know this is true. And I'm putting this all here so that you may believe. Now there, are, so what is it that that they're to believe? One, the testimony that's been written throughout the whole Gospel of John. This lines up because he wants his reader to believe in Jesus. And again, that belief is is more than just head knowledge, but it's heart knowledge. It's it's a, a, a right response to the gospel. But also, as John is writing this, he's older in his age, looking back on his, on his, it really hit more like his youthful days. Uh, he's he's giving an account so that you may believe. Remember who John is for just a moment. J- James and John were the sons of thunder. Uh, John was a really a wild one of sorts in his in his youth uh, and now he is as we see first second and third john he is much more of a tame older man 
he's writing these things so that you may believe. Secondly, because he's writing this probably two or three uh, potentially generations after Jesus' death, uh, there is a, remember we talked about docetism yesterday, um, the idea that Jesus only seemed to be a man. Well, there are other uh, heresies that started to happen as well. Um, one of those uh, 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 being Gnosticism, uh, which uh, roughly was the belief that um, Jesus only seemed to die. Um, what's often been called the swoon theory is that he uh, simply went into a deep state of, uh, of, of sickness or maybe even a coma and seemed to die but in fact wasn't really dead. Uh, that became a heresy that developed two or three generations after Jesus' resurrection. And so John's writing this here, and he's saying, look, guys, uh, blood and water flowed out of uh, out, out of his chest cavity. I, I'm writing this stuff so that you may believe, so that you can know that Jesus died on that cross. He didn't just appear to die, but he, in fact, died on that cross. And the, and the soldiers... Look, they didn't break his legs. You're right. But they pierced his side and blood and water flowed out of that. He was dead. He also puts this for a a second reason. And that second reason is to uh, make sure that his reader knows that all of this, I mean, throughout this whole death scene here, we see John, a very cool, calm hand of John saying, this all happened in accordance with scripture. Look at verse 35. For these things came to pass to fulfill scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. In another scripture, it says, and they shall look on him whom they pierced. John writes this more than anything, probably, with a very cool and calm hand, letting his readers know that nothing has taken God by surprise. This is all by the hand, the divine plan of God, and therefore there should be no uh, uh, questioning God's divine plan. There should be no, oh no, uh, uh, this isn't plan B for God. This was plan plan A. Uh, this all took place in accordance with God's divine plan. It's not simply a, 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 a miscarriage of justice. No, in fact, it's it's quite the opposite. It is the, the the just becoming unjust for the masses, and that's where we'll then we'll end today. Uh, thanks for listening today. God bless. Take care, and thanks for listening to Leesburg Daily.